0: And, and that's the difference, I think, with 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 change, is you you set an expectation with people. If you build that connection, they know what's coming, they know how they're gonna feel, they know what's gonna what's gonna land and where it's gonna to get to. And it,
1: Welcome everybody to a quality podcast season three. I'm your host John Thacker. With me, Jake Harrell, the funniest lean guy, helping to make work suck less. We are happy to have with us today as a guest Lee Houghton. oh, I, oh. I got it right. So <laughs> you did. I feel like I should get a gold star or something for that.
0: Lee, welcome to the show. No, honestly, thanks so much. I'm I'm really looking forward to this. I've seen you two guys in action. I've had the pleasure of talking to Jake um, as well and the first time to meet you, John. And uh, really looking forward to this conversation, providing you can both understand me without subtitles.
2: Yeah, I was already <laughs> struggling. John, if you didn't listen to our first, our first conversation on his show, he was saying Sarah, which was a name I already threw out as a date of mine one time. He was like, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. I was like, huh? huh <laughs> i could not comprehend it lee though. i
1: apologize uh jake is from texas and they don't actually speak english in texas so, or at full speed um or at full speed so i'll i'll interpret it as necessary and we will get through the conversation uh for all of our friends out there in podcast land a little bit about lee lee is a business improvement coach with get knowledge and also the host of the business problem solved podcast which we don't endorse a lot of podcasts. That's when we do endorse great uh, show there, Lee, and of course, famous for his at the tap end videos, which just had me rolling in stitches the first time I saw one. So well done there, uh, Lee. What would you like to tell folks about yourself?
0: So, um, I, I guess the, what I would love to say is just that the change it really it it bit me about seventeen years ago, and it's been my my passion, my profession. It's what I um. It's what I love. I I always remember that um, after getting my first change job, I went into the pub to celebrate with my friends. And my best mate at the time, 17 years ago, on a Wednesday night in a pub in North England, um, I told him the job that I just got. and and, And I was expecting him to celebrate. He looked at me and he went, oh, you're not one of them, are you? I said, what do you mean one of them? you know one of them that go into where people work and tell them how to do their job better if you come in, if you come into where i work and tell me how to do my job better i tell you to um go away or words to that effect and that uh, and that was really my introduction into change and it's been an absolute roller coaster for the last 17 years and really trying to understand why my why my best mate at the time felt like that um so yeah so that's uh that's that's what really bit me and then 17 years later is on lesser, 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 but uh now getting in the bath and talking about it
1: so just to recap for the audience you were in a pub in southern scotland is that, is a- that, how that- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah well you know Thanks, i love that story because uh that's so common um there's a lot of um I think somewhat deserved um, anxiety from people that work around consultants, um, around change. And one thing that I've experienced is sometimes companies have a lot of difficulty uh, justifying change, but they know they need to change. And sometimes the consultant's role uh, is to be the the fall person for change right? It sort of uh, gives management a little bit of a a little layer of protection, right? Well, we're just trying with the consultants that, so I think that's a a really interesting story because it just seems to be really common in my experience.
2: There's there's not a lot of children running around that are, you know what I want to be when I grow up? Change management. That's something I think just stands out to me. Now, most people want to be tanks, or someone from Star Wars, as John's childhood would tell you. And, uh, right, right. <laughs> you know, so we <laughs> kind of slip into that. So, Lee, give us a bit about how it started.
0: How it started um, was um, I was chosen for change. Change didn't choose me. My manager at the Times, uh, 17 years ago, said that we've, um, you've got a bit of something about you. Um, you you don't mind talking to people. Um, there's this thing, this, this program is... Um, is about and we think you'd be a, we think you'd be a good fit for it um, and and I tried it and I liked it and, and at the time actually uh, I was a DJ I, I DJ uh, five nights a week so I played music in, in pubs and, and at parties and I had a decision to make after about a year of doing change of whether I chose to go down the DJing and party route or I go down the change route and for one reason or another I chose this route rather than the parties. Um, and, and not a single regret. No, I, I had some. I have had some regrets over time, but not. No, it's all right. I'm doing all right with it. Um, but but yeah. So it's um, it's been a fascinating journey. All started in the pub, like I said, 18 years ago, 17 years ago, and it's just been one one hell of a roller coaster. One hell of a. It's been really. It's really lonely at times, isn't it? Change when um when you're the only person pushing that boulder up an hill expecting people to to see the light like you see it um and and pick and, and change for the better like but not everybody wants it do they not everybody wants.
1: no it. and uh before we get too far ahead of ourselves i feel like we need to be a little more proper here so um i am drinking cognac revanche jake what are you drinking
2: i am drinking a sugarless monster energy drink to help me get over my hangover.
1: Ouch. Must have been a good night. Oh yeah. You had all those people over, didn't you? I I did. What did you end up with? Like 15?
2: Uh, Lee, one positive thing that's come out of this experience, which might not every other change guy can say, but I have made like best friends out of the last like 50 people I've interacted with for a business. So now like we, it's been a year now and I still interact with these people to like come over and have a drink or grill something.
0: Love that, love that.
2: So I must be well, doing something right.
0: Yeah, d- is it you buying all the drinks, Jerk?
2: This is the best part. It is not
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: definitely doing something right. I feel like you have this figured out, Lee. Are you drinking anything? Oh uh, yeah. Um. Apart from a little bit of jealousy at uh, watching you take those sips, John. I've just got. A, I've got a soft drink. Uh, it's half eight at night here, and the kids are just going to bed. Um hopefully i will be drinking something a little bit stronger shortly um once they are snoring uh, but i but yeah not not just yet not just yet
2: how many kids are upstairs
0: uh, only the two that i know about <laughs> <laughs> i've got
1: two as well so i know you have your hands full and normally ca- caveat i would normally say brandy for after dinner but we just moved and this is literally the only liquor in the house so it's getting drunk Very and by nice. the way we're not sponsored but notice this prominent bottle placement. If for some reason somebody wanted to pay us for this, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> the door is open. <laughs> it, it, it is an open door. So.
2: Lee, a $50 pledge right now gets your business on the front of the next career. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs>
1: well, our audience Love didn't that. know that it was fundraising season. So <laughs> call our hotline right now. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, change management, right? We have quite a few conversations on this topic. I think simply because it's the hardest thing we learn how to do. So I'm going to talk about uh, myself just briefly because big I think
2: surprise.
1: big surprise. <laughs> I think people uh, <laughs> relate relate to this, right? Which is uh, the the industrial engineering side of my job and the business side, the accounting and the finance um, came easy you know there's even an app for that you might not be great at doing calculus longhand but there's an app for that right what is very difficult about what i do is persuading people relating to people and and getting folks to execute change right um so change management is a a common topic uh, in our in our circles so resistance to change right when we're implementing anything, there's always that pushback. What what can you tell us about that in your experience, Lee?
0: So, quite quite a bit actually, because um, I've been and it doesn't come across. I feel a little bit. Uh, I don't feel like I can say this out loud. Being on a podcast with the funniest man in Lean, uh, but um, I, I've been on two stand up comedy courses um, and on my very first stand-up comedy course, and the reason why I wanted to do stand-up comedy courses is because I believe comedians, or un- unfold those arms, Jake, um, <laughs> because I, I believe comedians make us make people feel something far quicker than anybody else. And I wanted to understand if there was an art or a secret behind comedy that made people go on this emotional journey far, far quicker. And I went to, on my first course, and the, uh, the tutor, he said... Um, he said, "What's the what's the secret of comedy? What's the most important thing in comedy?" And there were seven of us on the course, and we all shouted back our answers. And it was a variation of jokes. And he went, "No, no, that's that's the third most important thing in comedy. That's your material is the third most important thing in comedy." And then he went on to say, um, "The second most important thing in comedy is your performance. So you have a setup, or you have, and you have a punchline. So you only have two lines in comedy, and what you're supposed to do is vary your attitude between the setup." And the punchline, so you can be really happy doing the setup and really sad doing the punchline to signpost to the audience that something has changed, so you need to laugh. And and then what I've been thinking about is really, on, in change, um, material is what a lot of consultants, coaches, improvement people lead with, lead with the tools, the techniques, the approach, the methodology, all of that nonsense. Um, and, and they don't really vary their performance in, in how they do it. Okay. And so that's the, the, the third and the second most important thing. And then, the, but the most important thing in, in comedy, and I think it's exactly the same in change, is is connection. So, who's your favorite comedian, Jake? Uh,
2: I'd have to pick myself.
0: <laughs> ah, 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 <laughs> and, and, and apart from, uh, well, I'm guessing, John's your second favorite comedian. Uh, Who's your third favorite comedian, Jake?
2: Oh, that's a rough life. Oh, If I'm going past John with such high esteem, if I was going to pick somebody, you can watch him on Netflix right now. Someone that just, he's only ever done the one thing on Netflix and it will knock your socks off. The guy's name is Ryan Hamilton. So he's from Idaho and he spent like half the time calling himself a potato man. And he just did a really good job of self, like the British version of humor, of like attacking yourself to connect to people. He yeah. embodied that so, so very well that he's been on the top of my list for the time being.
0: Love that. So if you went to watch Ryan in a, in a, in a gig, okay, a Netflix special or whatever, and, uh, and you, you paid good money out of your pockets and you, you sat in the audience to watch him just before he comes out, what are you thinking to yourself? How am I going to connect with this person? That's the deep thing. Yeah. How are you going to connect with him? But also, like, you know, he's material. You know that you find him funny already. You know that he makes you laugh. And then, have you ever been to a John? Have you ever been to a comedy club? Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah. Well, you might not necessarily know the act that's going to be on stage. If you're sat in the audience of those, um, what are you thinking before those acts come out?
1: I mean, mostly I'm thinking, you better fucking make me laugh.
0: Yes, yeah, dead right. Dead right. Because there's a difference between both of those examples. Jake, you knew the comedian, you knew he makes you laugh. And and John, you've got not got a clue who's going to be coming out. Okay. So the connection is there between or is, is there in Jake's example, but not in John's example. And, and and that's the difference, I think, with 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 change, is you you set an expectation with people. If you build that connection, they know what's coming. They know how they're going to feel. They know what's going to what's going to land and where it's going to get to. Um, in 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 the UK, we do uh, at Christmas the little kids, uh, little children, they have a um, a nativity play. So, do you, have a, you I'm guessing you have a nativity play in primary school, like uh, junior schools, um, with little kids. Um, and and what really amazes me about these these nativity plays is that it's it's the worst singing. It's the, the kids forget the lines the, the, uh, they, they sit the in
2: silence place. staring across at each other yes yeah
0: stood in the wrong places singing the wrong songs teachers picking them up and putting them where they should be um it's the it's the dodgiest outfits that you've ever seen you, you can't tell whether the clouds or whether the sheep like it's, it's just a, it's a right mishmash and at the end of it at the end of it you'll turn and look at the audience and they're in floods of tears. The are high-fiving each other, saying it's the best performance that they've ever seen in their lives, right? Which is a complete lie, but it's because of the level of connection that the people in the audience have got with the little people that are on stage. The level of connection has far outweighed the performance, which was ropey at best, and far outweighed the material, which... We, I mean, uh, little kids have got to remember it, so the material's not brilliant either. And I think in change, we do it the other way around. We lead with our material, and we don't worry b- bother, b- bother about connection because we just think our material is good enough. And we've been trained in this stuff that that's going to get us through. So I think um, for me, overcoming resistance to change, and this resistance we face, is because we lead with material and not with connection. And I think if we led with connection more, then it'd be a lot easier for us. So that was a really long answer to your very first question, John. I am sorry. Oh,
1: no, no. I love that example. I think uh, it really uh, kind of uh, brings alive, you know, what we're trying to communicate on effective methodology, right? And speaking of setup and delivery, one of my favorite types of jokes is called a paraprostochian, where the second clause reinterprets the first clause to make it funny. So this is my best joke. I hope I die peacefully in my sleep, like my granddad, not all screaming in panic like the passengers in his car. That's it. That's that's the best that I got. That's, that's my one man comedy show. Um, but it's it's a great example. Um, especially, I love the the nativity play example, right? Where I guess the uh, evaluation the audience is completely different than it would be for broadway right um and it's directly related to that uh, connection and caring right um so as we uh, facilitate change right as we help businesses improve um we experience this resistance to change now there's in my experience like different levels sometimes the resistance comes from the person who hired you right and sometimes it's from the person who's running the mill way or something like that um what can you tell
0: us about that nobody goes to work to do a bad job um and nobody goes to work to intentionally do a bad job it's just that we don't necessarily help everybody do a good job and like the story that i said about my best mate 17 years ago he said oh you're not one of them are you and one of them was based on his experience of people who've been doing what we do before and and I think that it's all I mean I, I don't, it's, it's proper cliche, isn't it to go oh you've got to start with the end in mind and have a clear vision and all of that stuff um, which is all true and all good but we've just got, you've just got to point everybody in the same direction and and just recognize that, that all decisions that have come before have been the best decisions based on the knowledge and information that those people had at that point in time, and and really, it's nobody goes to work to do a bad job. And how can you help everybody do a better job than they are doing? Um, and I often, I've, I've said, there's um, on my um, on on the pod as well, and, and, and in my newsletter, I've said that four words: there's failure, um, failure, conflict, uh, challenge, and problems are all negative words in some people's eyes but they're not they're all positive words if you if you treat them all properly like failure is an opportunity to learn problems are because you're trying to get to somewhere and and so i think there's a lot of poor experiences that have make people fear this change um and, and I think that's what that's what we need to overcome is understand where everybody's coming from, understand their starting point, understand why they're feeling that way, understand and just make it all right to to just give something a world, give something a go. Um, that's, what, that, that's what I guess that's why I would say at the start. Nobody goes to work to do a bad job at all. at all.
1: Well, Lee, I really appreciate that uh, as well as covering, you know, the uh, feelings that we bring to words that we use. And the people that we work with um jake i was wondering i know you have some experience with this as well um the resistance to change do you have some idea of what is the root there for a lot of people in your experience uh
2: well there's there's of course several because life is rarely binary and you know full of one thing but if i had to pick like top like three four 20 factors that take place. It's that uh, there's an, an ego bias that's persistent. You ever have a red light somewhere next to your house, you drive up, you always get stuck at that damn light. You know exactly which one it is. And there's several you always make it through and you're like, well, you know, those are always treat me good. Well, the ratio of how many you actually stop at or go through is vastly different than what your experience is remembering because you have a bias to remember the negative events, right? I've stopped at this one 20 times. The elevator is like that in my apartment. Elevator has come to me the second I press the button more times than I could count, 10,000. But the one time it doesn't, I'm like, ah, How many times do I have to sit and wait for the elevator to come for me to go through? So we have a tendency to remember the negative moments more so than the positive ones. So that alone is just a deep human nature problem we're trying to overcome when we bring about change. And beyond that, like most change that happens in one's life that is memorable simply isn't good, right? (laughs) So in business, the direction that we try to Preach, or you'll see John and I talk about again and 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 again. Is that it? Stuff's not necessarily good or bad; it's just different, and it's just more of the outcomes I want, less of the ones I don't want, for the least possible resources. Not good, not bad, not to directly impact you; just different, and that's what we're trying to do. And what I consistently see missing by all the the bell ends on LinkedIn I'm connected with.
1: Yeah, I think. What I've found is the biggest driver of resistance to change is fear of the unknown. That's a, a pretty healthy, right uh, human experience. It's probably what allowed us to evolve, you know, out of the muck or whatever back in the day, right? Um, and that can be coupled with uh, severe distrust with senior management. So we don't know what's happening. No one's communicated. what is the end goal? And then when that end goal is communicated, then on top of that, you have this suspicion like, yeah, uh, I don't believe you. I think you're a politician. I think you're really trying to reduce headcount, right? And I have an interesting story about this. At one plant that I was leading, we did have an initiative to reduce headcount. And it, it was uh, pretty necessary. Um, the margins on the product that we were selling just went away. And, you know, from a financial standpoint, we had to reduce labor, which was about 90% of our costs. Right? So we had an internal team, you know, to sort of help with this. And the communication I had with the employees at that plant was very clear. We have to uh, reduce headcount. Um, here's what's going on with the business financially. Um, but that's not what we're trying to do. Right. It's going to happen. I'm just letting you guys know ahead of time, you know, within six months, this will be our headcount. It's going to happen. But what we're trying to do is make it so that we can be profitable. And it it was um, kind of a mixed bag. You know, there was a little bit of the uproar. But then after that, it was like, well, holy shit, I can't believe this person was honest with us. You know, it's about damn time. And I knew from experience, and I didn't you know, communicate this with the team, but I knew that we had a certain amount of turnover, um, and in six months, we would lose that number of people without ever having to fire anybody. We would beat our headcount target if we just didn't backfill. Um, but what that experience did was it gave me months and months of leverage with the team uh, because they trusted me now. Right. And so when we were doing different projects and I said, this is the purpose of what we're doing. Here's where we're going. Right. They assumed I was telling the truth because if I'm not going to lie about something a lot worse, why would I lie about that? Right. Uh, and so I kind of broke down what had turned into a culture of folks that just didn't believe management. Um, and I did it in that kind of dramatic uh, way, but it beats the alternative, which is, you know, lying or covering up the truth or whatever. And meanwhile, in the employee break room and on Facebook and everything else, you have these wild stories going around, you know, where it's like a a vending machine, pick the narrative that, you know, fits your flavor profile or whatever, how you feel about uh, management. So fear of the unknown, coupled with a lack of trust of management, I find to be uh, some of the biggest drivers of resistance to change. And that's not something that a consultant can just flip on his head, you know, really fast. Right.
0: I think that's really, really important. Two things are, the fear of the unknown is when we, when we set our vision and our goals they are always they're, oh, typically they're, um, they're, they're tied to a metric or a, a number, but that's not real. That doesn't, people don't know what that feels like, what that sounds like, what that looks like to achieve that. They know what it feels like now. They know what it looks like now. They know what conversations are being had now. So that's not the, the target, the goal, the vision, that's not real. What is real is what is being in the lived moment now. And, and I guess it's how can you um, make it more real what that what meaning or what meeting that vision or that goal achieve so what are the conversations that will be had in the future how will it feel in the future what will it look like in the future and if you can make it more real then that that, then i think that makes it a little bit easier for people to understand what it means and then the trust the the trust word that you mentioned john i think yeah is is pivotal to to it all isn't it if they don't trust you then they're going to fear it even more going to fear it even more do you two trust each other
2: Ooh. I mean, you know. as far as I can throw them. Like, it
1: depends on the context. You know, like, would I do business with him? Sure. Would I hand
0: him a loaded gun? Maybe
1: not. I mean, you know, there's a spectrum there, so.
0: Yeah, I think that's 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 really important, isn't it? Because trust is individual and it's situational. Um, uh-huh. and, it de- and it depends. I would definitely trust some people to deliver a presentation for me at work, but I would not trust them to look after my kids. Um, and And, and I think that's the... That's the thing. If people trust you, will people trust you doing what it is that, you're, that you say that you're going to do or will they not? And do they believe in that, that vision, that, that end destination or not? And do they trust that that's even achievable? Um, yeah, I think the trust word is um, is, is really important, really important. All right, Jake, do you trust John?
2: I think I do. I would say that I trust that man with my wife.
0: Oh, you have to make me feel bad after I'm
2: yeah. fine. Son me. of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> Eat that! <laughs> uh,
0: well played. Well played. Yeah, he's, he's, this is the last ever podcast you do together. Sorry for that. For the finale. <laughs> yeah.
2: Now, if you would like to see more episodes, a quick $50 pledge, call the hotline. <laughs>
1: 1-800-Lee-Harton. <Yeah. laughs> <I> pledge your... <laughs> I got to get one of those crawlers for the bottom of the screen, yes. you know, like on, on public television or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Love
0: that.
1: So um, let's switch gears a little bit to overcoming uh, resistance to change. We talked about resistance to change and some of the motivations and stuff like that. The overcoming resistance, I think this is a learned skill, um, a topic that's near and dear to pretty much all of our hearts. What ideas do you have around that, Lee?
0: For me, overcoming resistance. We train people in the wrong things first and foremost. We train people in materials. We train people in um, in understanding Japanese words, and then being able to tell everybody else what these Japanese words are. Um, we train people in 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 I guess creating PowerPoint presentations and sticking post it to walls. Um, we don't train people in um, in how to build. Better relationships, and it comes back to what you were saying earlier on, John, about the importance of trust and how to build trust with people. There's a book, or a book, um, depends where you're from. Um, <laughs> a book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Jake. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a book called the uh, The Trusted Advisor by David Meister, and in that he introduces a trust a trust equation that says reliability, credibility, intimacy, so the, as a as a function, and then or, divided by self orientation. And, and they say, if you, can, if you satisfy those things, are you reliable? Do you do all, what you say you're always going to do? Are you credible? And do people know you're credible? And have you got a level of relationship and intimacy with those people about the particular topic or whatever it is? And then divided by self-orientation, which is, I guess, the scale of selfishness to selflessness, are you doing it for their gain? Or are you doing it for your gain? We don't, treat, we don't teach people that. A lot of change people, when they start, they believe they're a lot better than they are um, mm. as well because they're, they're, they're the chosen few who are going to go mm. through this special training uh, with new words and new language. Um, but they're not, they're just, we need to become better at dealing with people. Um, so I say, overcoming resistance to change, for me, it's all, it's just about your ability to develop those relationships first and, and recognising what resistance is and that actually conflict is a positive thing, not a negative thing. It's just somebody with a different opinion. Um, and it's about creating that space to, to be comfortable to have those conversations. I think there's so much in overcoming resistance that we're not trained in, not taught, not shown because we're, we're, we're just giving these PowerPoint presentations, 5S and all... And if you tidy your desk and tidy the office and tidy the workshop, you'll uh, everything, will improve. everything will improve. I have
2: a very long-standing opinion on that. And if that's your tour place, and all you can do is comment on the cleanliness of that place, you don't fucking understand that business. You yeah. just don't. Yeah. You just said, you know what? It's yeah. not very clean. The gingerbread. Yeah. Looked at this and said, "I wouldn't eat here." Stop that! I don't understand the damn business if that's the first and only thing you can comment on. Tell us how you really feel, Jack.
1: <laughs> I had a senior vice president, very large company, you know, come tour my site, and it was a large regional uh, distribution facility. And uh, most of the conversation was about uh, how clean it was. And I thought to myself, my God, you're a senior vice president and you have no clue how your business actually creates value. Because if you did, you would be asking questions about the process to create value. Not, wow, this looks pretty clean. Well done. I, you'll find my standards for cleanliness are very high, but you're almost there. You know, whatever bullshit you know was going on in the conversation, um, it's kind of like, um in, in religion, like if you ask a religious person, you know, like, oh, oh tell me something you learned, you know, and and they'll say, oh, um, um, Easter, there's Easter and Christmas, you know, uh, they, it's the lowest common denominator that just off the top of their head. And it's the same thing with cleanliness. If I don't know anything else, I can always go back to that. That and safety. Right. Uh, I can talk about those two things and it's always safe. Right. It, it always applies. Um, so yeah, it's an indicator that uh, you know maybe you don't know your actual processes, right? You don't really know anything, just the framework.
0: But it, um, that's what you, it's what you can see, isn't it? It's, yeah, that's the, yeah. that's all, all you can see, but but not actually. I think that this this whole change thing is about trying to make the invisible visible, not yes. trying to comment on the visible, mm-hmm. and I, I, that's the difference. Um, yeah, the, our ability to make the invisible visible will trump and and and. Is, is far better than just commenting on what you can actually see in a, in an immature environment. Speaking
2: of Christmas, yeah.
0: Lee has quite embarrassing
2: music video. We need to share at the end of this episode. <laughs> Lee, why don't you tell us, oh, really? about, really tell us a little bit about what suckered you into doing that and why that is in the world.
0: Oh, dear me. Thank you, Jack. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, as, John, you mentioned the bath videos at the start um, and, and the where the bath videos came from was me getting in the shower. Once I was working on a site and I'm, I'm, I'm constantly trying to share my share messages and, and stuff in a, in, in a different way to other people. And um, I got in a shower, recorded the video. Um, and people started to to talk to me about about this can't believe you did that can't believe I did what oh, I can't believe you recorded yourself and put you on la- um, on LinkedIn in a shower um, so I thought well, there was something in this um, so but then the sound was a little bit too too noisy so I got in the bath and that's how the bath started and I did 10 I did 10 bath videos at the start of lockdown um, and then eight months afterwards people were still going um you've not done a bath video for a while have you Uh <laughs> You're the bath guy. We need to see you in the bath. Um, but anyway, so so that's why the bath videos have, have continued. And, and what I what I what I love to try to do is just just do things a little bit different. I have I've, I've got there's no limits. I've, I don't have any barriers. Um, and I recorded a Christmas single, John, um, to the tune of Away in a Manger, and it was <laughs> called it it was called Go Away Change Manager. Um, it, <laughs> It's it's, Uh, it's, well played. It's no, no, please don't. Um, It's it's terrible. Um, It's on YouTube. Um, Cut it in
2: right here, John, cut it in (laughs) right here.
0: Well,
1: so when we talk about overcoming resistance to change, you know, you mentioned making the invisible visible, right? I think that's a key component. Um, I also think there's some components that relate directly to the change agent, right? Uh, specifically the self-awareness and self-knowledge, right? Because that ties into the relationality you were talking about, right? I know in my past, um, one of the challenges for me was just uh, patience. And I didn't realize how I was coming across to the people I'm talking to, but I'll be talking to anybody and I already know how the sentence is going to end and what the intention of the paragraph is, and I'll just launch into the next paragraph, not uh, in any kind of mean way, you know, not uh, in my mind, cutting that person off or being rude, just, okay, I get the point, let's fucking move on, you know, uh, real East Coast attitude. Um, And in the Midwest, that just doesn't fly, you know, and and you gotta let that person finish their seven-minute soliloquy. You already know the punchline, like you know what's coming, right? Um, and I just had to learn, you know, like the way that comes across is horrible, right? You might not mean anything by it, but it's not what you mean. It's what the other person takes from it that matters, right? That's like a self-awareness kind of thing that that feeds into effective change management. I appreciate
2: you putting that on the internet after our fight last night.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. You go down to Texas and they take 30 seconds to, uh, start their sentence. Yes. It's to like, order, to I,
2: order a I, beer I, is a one minute yeah, yeah. process. Right.
1: Well, what's good today? You know, I've never really liked that. I, I kind of prefer the, the local brew. So maybe I'll just go with the course. You think that's a good choice? How are your course here. Should I get it on tap? Anyway, I'll have a Bud
2: Light. John's John's <laughs> version is always at an 1800s cotillion. It is not any way, <laughs> shape or form like the way Texas is today. <laughs>
1: I see you are an educated man, <laughs> Mr. Harrell.
2: <laughs> After your manger uh, story earlier, at your, your nativity scene, I should say, there is a video somewhere on the internet. I'm not going to share where it is, but it is out there of a Thanksgiving that I was recorded as a child on an old school, like cassette tape originally from an old throwaway camera, of me dressed up as an Indian for a Thanksgiving recital. <laughs> And I just think, boy, has that not aged well? <laughs> that has not aged well at
0: all. Wow. I mean, this—if if that can still be found, I think this is an ideal place to put that video, isn't it? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got you. Just on what you were saying, John, actually, about the the self awareness stuff. I think that's—I think that's really important. I um, during a course, I ask people, um, and I'll, I'll ask you actually, if if a car pulls out at you. In fact, Jake, do you drive? You oh, do, really? don't you? Yeah. Uh, if, a car Poorly, pull, yes. yeah if, if a car pulls out at you on a road, how do you respond or how do you react, Jake? If, if you a said ca- a cat? Is that what you said? A, no, sorry. This is my accent, isn't it? Uh, j- uh, maybe I should have come to John first. Yes. If, if, if a car, if you're driving, all right, and, okay. then, and, then, and then a car pulls out in front of you whilst you're driving, um, how do you respond or react?
2: I T-bone the shit out of that guy and claim the insurance. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's how I made my last check, ladies and gentlemen. You want to know how I got famous? <laughs> that
0: Amazing. Amazing. What about you, John? What, how do you respond?
1: Typically, I give them the finger through the sunroof and then tailgate them for like the next
0: three miles something like that <laughs>
2: you follow them home God, there's some deep-seated Drive issues by really
0: really slowly <laughs> yeah it, it's been lovely to meet you both this evening uh it's time for me to go <laughs> no
2: usually it's a horn uh, it's a slam on uh, your brain yeah it's, it's like a, come right. on
1: man and then you just you know it's just you have to be safe it's cars they can kill you you know and it's yeah, kind of like the
0: frustration out and go Everybody um if you ask that question, go around a room and there'll be there'll be different responses. Some people will, will just carry on driving like it won't matter. Some people will flick the V's out of the window or and follow them or or, or take it as far as Jake took it. And, and and I think I think that's it's exactly the same event, but how we all respond is pivotal to the outcome that we're trying to create. I think it was Jack Canfield in that chicken soup for the soul book. who um, who give a form of E plus R equals O, event plus reaction equals outcome. So all events in this world are neutral. It's our reaction that will determine whether it's a positive or negative outcome. Um, And I I think change people um, don't necessarily, they just expect, there's an expectation that we've been trained in these things. Now um, everybody needs to respond or react in, in a way that is accepting and and in favour of um, these things but the outcome's different because the change person doesn't necessarily respond or react to that resistance in a way that is positive so I think that's that's an important thing and then what you also said John um, was when people are talking it's it's what's heard and not what's said that's important as well and we don't do enough to understand what's actually been heard because we're too busy just chatting and telling people what they, what we think they need to hear so i think there's there's two things to that resp- are our response or reaction and actually that the words that have been heard are more important than the words that have been said
1: yeah absolutely and the uh, level of relationship we have with a person sort of softens that right so when i'm talking to jake you know we, we have a close relationship i can say you dumbass you know and we both laugh Um, If I said that to a stranger on the street, the reaction is going to be a little bit different, right? And that has to do with the strength of relationship and understanding through frequent communication, uh, the intent behind what we're saying, right? And that's where, uh, for me, there is a skill and a balance when I'm speaking with new people, balancing being plain spoken and even colloquial uh, to build trust with enough sort of uh, political language that they feel safe, right? If you're too politically correct, then they think that you're fake, right? They can't connect with you. Um, if you're too plain, then you risk offending them because there's no context yet. Right? And, and you can kind of get closer as you build those relationships. Um, so. Understanding kind of how language works and and how people relate and, and that sort of thing can be a big strength, I think, to uh, folks in the change management or consulting business. And Jake and I were just talking about this last night. We we don't understand, you know. I've I've done a lot of schooling, like formal schooling, and um, we've done quite a bit of business, you know, in different sectors. And when when we look at what is offered in terms of education. I'm surprised at what a small role like psychology plays in all of them. And I was telling Jake, it, in my finance courses I learned all these equations, right? And I'm old enough that I learned how to program them into like a TI86, you know uh, But what we didn't learn was the psychology side. Like you can talk about you know uh, decreasing your CUR rate or something like that as a chief financial officer or you know what your hurdle rate is. But shouldn't you also talk about the impact that's going to have on the team when you say, okay, you know, we're in this services sector and our hurdle rate is now seven and a half percent, right? And so this, these five guys over here, whose clients, you know, the her, their current rate is like 6%, they're like, oh shit, we're going to lose this business. And that's my portfolio. That's how I get paid. That's my book of business, right? Um, so, even in something that we would call a hard science like finance, there's a human element, and that's the more important part almost. And as we move further and further into an area where the computer in your pocket can tell you the answer to any equation, the more important understanding the psychological impact of what you're doing uh, and communication becomes. Is that fair?
0: Completely. Yeah. Com- completely. I think. I think that's so, that's so far. There's, nothing, there's no way that anybody can argue with that. It comes down to people manage what they can see, don't they? Which is why the process stuff, which is why the finances, because we track that. But the level of teamwork that we have, the, the quality of communication that Nobody we have. Nobody even
2: has a measurement for that, right?
0: Correct. That's Dead right. Dead yeah, right. They're right. Cause you can't measure it because it's about what, and, and, and or it's really difficult to, to become really tangible and stuff. Um, mm. And that's the yeah, that, that for me is the challenge that everybody wants the metrics, the, the measures that to to move in a positive way, but those are the output of effective teamwork, of brilliant communication, of clear accountability, of humble leadership, um, of a couple of other things as well, whatever whatever they are about things that we can't see. And we need to work if you work on those things then the performance will improve. Um, but people tend to st- stick to the process and the- because you can measure those things. But it's all of these things that we're talking about, which are the human elements of, of what it is, it's like, like teamwork, for example. Just because you hit a metric, that might mean your team works, but doesn't mean you've got teamwork. And, and I think it's the definitions of these things are different from everybody. So like, if you speak to people about what is, what's culture, or what is teamwork? Um, they'll, they'll give a, there's always an assumption made that everybody's got the same definition and same understanding of these things, but they probably not. And I think that's where it all starts, understanding and aligning definitions about the things that matters, getting everybody working towards those things. And then the performance will it will improve. Um, but yeah, so I think that yeah, that, that for me, I, I should have just said, John, yes, I agree. Because um, I do agree with everything you've said. No, um, no,
1: it's a podcast. Like, you have to talk. you yeah. have to have to. <laughs> you know, a yeah. We don't have a yeah. show. <laughs> well, that was the shortest episode in history. So we established that John is not a
2: comedian. And <laughs> and for $49.99, you yourself can get... It's <laughs> not going to get old.
1: <clears throat> uh, yeah, it's kind. Of, it kind of is old. It I, is I already. Yeah, that was the third time.
2: Yeah. I, I, I want to get one of those wacky, wavy, inflatable arm flailing tube men that they have at the car commercial. <laughs> they put one Japanese kanji symbol in the middle of it and like, change management. It's all about <laughs> our, our, our events and our response to those events. It's in that places. That's our change management model.
0: Yeah, up.: Well, Levar. the ego
1: is so, it's so shallow and, and so um, transparent
0: you are know, you talking about jake no john yeah
1: absolutely yeah. <laughs> um no when you know jake's making fun of the uh the approach you know some folks but um as a change leader like your goal is either to improve a business right business imp- you're either improving that business or adding value to the people doing the work or it's something else and when you have uh, maybe consultants internally or externally, or someone that claims their job is business improvement, and uh, they're they're deep in the weeds on Japanese grammar, and they're not in Japan. Um, it's just transparent, right? Like they're over here. Their goal is not to improve that business because you don't improve the business by teaching everybody uh, the past participle in Japanese. You know, how does the pluperfect tense translate into kanji? Um, when you're teaching people new languages and what you're really communicating is I'm smarter than you. I'm an expert, Mm -hmm. listen to me. But you don't have to use the Japanese to do that, right? You can use any, many other methods to uh, basically make it all about you, establishing credibility, however you wanna put it. It's very transparent. And I think in in our experience, at least uh, for Jake and I, that's probably the, the, Number one way to kill business. Um, business managers out there, like they can see right through that. They most of them haven't been doing this, you know, since yesterday, right? They mm-hmm. they work the their way to, the way
2: to get me to roast you on LinkedIn is to post like that. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, actually, you should spell it this way because you know um, all of those conversations. Um, so this is kind of just free advice. We've got a lot of folks listening to the show that are in the consulting space um, and continuous improvement space. Uh, my recommendation is drop the jargon uh, when you're selling and executing with businesses because that's not what business leaders care about. Uh, they care about improving the business, and so should you. Um, but I think that's a root of resistance to change as well, right? Is our experience as workers dealing with consultants sometimes there's been the experience that that consultant doesn't care about me the worker or even necessarily the company that consultant is trying to get rich by being famous or something like that is that fair Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i think so and i think that fuels what you were talking about before the the fear of the unknown so if, if you're trying to come across as the most knowledgeable person in the business um and and bring in a new language uh, new tools, new techniques, new methodology—it just—it just fuels that fear of the unknown and and makes it seem even more difficult to improve what it is that they're doing. Um, and and I think yeah, I, I agree, agree again completely. It's it's about just humanizing and and making it as simple as possible, and and aligning the improvement to what is already happening, and not making it. A new pro, a brand new initiative, or something. It's it's got to be collaborative, and yeah, there's all sorts of like uh, buzzwords and, and stuff that everybody writes. But it's it's just about just connecting. It comes back to connection, getting people to connect to what it is that you want them to do. Um, and the more um, more foreign you make it, the less people will connect with it.
1: Yeah, and uh, it helps as uh, Jake and I
0: tell each other all the time if you actually like people you really <laughs> if you give a damn them.
2: it's much easier
0: <laughs> yeah completely absolutely. completely uh, jake just quick question about your jukebox behind you what's the uh, most played track through that jukebox
2: Ooh, hold on loosely by 38 special
1: you're as cold as ice no, you don't no. care if- <laughs> <laughs>
2: You got the second line so wrong for you, foreigner fans. I apologize. Our
1: love.
2: <laughs> I, mean, I got I a, it.
1: exactly right word for word. I've seen you it need, before.
2: Been... I mean, it happens all the time.
1: <laughs> well, uh-huh. just let's just close that door and leave it all behind and uh, <laughs> move on. <laughs> Next segment. Um, so that ends our rock and roll trivia segment uh,
0: for everybody out
1: there. <laughs> Lee, we really appreciate you uh, joining today. Hard to believe that we are bumping up on the clock um, from the other side of the pond. For folks that want to connect with you, um, what's the best way to get a hold of Lee?
0: Um, probably just uh, LinkedIn is where, where I find myself most of the time. That's Lee Horton. Um, or the, like I mentioned before, the podcast, Business Problem Solved podcast. Um, those are probably the, the two places. The company pages, Get Knowledge, um, that's GetKnowledge.co.uk. Any of those three places, but yeah, LinkedIn. If you want to uh, to see me in the bath, um, if that's of your persuasion, uh, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Well, I will put all the links uh, down below, um, including in the, the Christmas special audio, including the Christmas special. Um, Lee, thanks so much for coming on the show today, a quality podcast for all of our fans out there in YouTube land and wherever your favorite podcast is listened to. Goodbye.
2: Hello, Governor. Good night.
1: Thanks very much, <laughs> oh, you
2: <sir>.
1: <laughs> Jake, that was horrible. <laughs>